Welcome to Empower to Grow, the podcast. I am your host, Hanan Al-Basha, the business doctor. Following our conversations with empowered women who woke up one day and consciously claimed, I am more than enough. I am worthy. I am empowered to grow. And along their empowering journey towards realizing their own potential and their quest for growth, they became a beacon of hope and guidance for others. May you also find your inner power to grow. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to our uncharted discussions of Empower to Grow. I'm still joined by the amazing Jules Rolnick. Thank you so much, Jules, for being here. Thank you for having me. For those who missed our first episode, please go back and, and watch it or hear it wherever you are. There were some like literally gems of truth in there. Um, Jules is an author of Secrets of a Superhost as a superhost for Airbnb. And her story started with an unfortunate um, and possibly scary situation where her husband was diagnosed with cancer and her realizing um, I don't have a career and I don't have a means of supporting myself and my kids. God forbid, if my husband couldn't survive this, and this got her to thinking, how, what do I do now? And I think your husband was one that said, um, you're going to be great as an air host, uh, as an Airbnb host. And uh, this is where I wanted to discuss with you the part about financial independence, because I was raised and, and a lot of, a lot of the women I'm speaking to, and this is like, I'm Egyptian. I live in Qatar. So in the Middle East, we, you know, yes, it's not about having that much of financial independence. You're taken care of more or less, you know, by your father. And then it's the husband and your role is to be home, take care of the kids. Not again, this is not a generalization, but I'm saying for a lot of women, that is the case. They still get all their degrees and everything, but the priority is always um, being home. And as you shared at the end of the episode, there are those that like, you know, reach the 70 plus and then realize I don't have the financial independence, whether their husband's passed away, um, they've been, you know, um, left or whatever happened in the relationship, then they, that's when they really start struggling. Um, for me personally, <clears throat> excuse me, I was raised the other way was um, since uh, since we were very young, my mom was always on the you have to be independent just because she didn't have this steady relationship with my dad. And there was always the, you know, the fear um, looming over that um, one day she's going to find herself uh, alone. And for me to be able to financially, I think, have coherence financially with my husband it took about 10 to 15 years of marriage where I said, oh, okay, you know, we can do this together. I don't have to be struggling by myself just because all I'm thinking, no, I need to support myself financially. I need to buy my own car. I need to get my own clothes, you know, those kind of things. So from your experience, financial independence, <laughs> where do we start? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, for me, it was more a matter of, I didn't have a choice. So mm -hmm. it was, and I'm sure a lot of women, because I've thought about this over the last few years, a lot of women, do they really think about this? Do they think about, like, I, I think back, well, I didn't think about being financially independent. I was married. My husband was the main breadwinner. He was a lawyer. So I was at home raising the children and that's how it was. And if he'd unfortunately passed away, then I would have not known any different and I would have just gone about my business and struggled, been on Struggle Street. And 
it wasn't really, for me, it wasn't really until I had my back against the wall and I had to fight for my children that I thought about financial, you know, becoming financially independent. But before that, I hadn't even hadn't even dawned on me. And I know women, personal friends of mine in their mid-50s, who still don't have any idea. And it's interesting because I asked my, myself the question, is it, are we, why do we do that? Is it because yeah. we can't be bothered? Is it because, you know, it's just the natural chain of events that a man, you know, well, certainly in the olden days, my parents' days, you know, the husband works, the woman's the homemaker. But, you know, I think, and even to this day, it still blows my mind now that people are still unaware or they don't know anything about becoming financially independent. It's, yeah. it's you know, and, and even women who are incredibly powerful in their careers can still, on a personal level, not be financially independent or they can be with a man who they just give everything to and he he could blow it against the wall. He could, you know, I mean, this yeah. does happen here. So I'm not, I'm not generalising. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do wonder about that. And that's and, certainly, as I said, that's my experience, yeah. And, and actually, what you're saying is very important because, again, financial independence doesn't mean that um, we have to have the separate bank accounts and I spend this and you spend that and we don't touch each other's money. But as you said, it is finding your own... I think creating a mindset and an infrastructure where you have an income of sorts um, or you're able to create an income of sorts if the time, you know, kind of if you're stuck or something happens, the circumstances, but it is, it starts with the awareness. And I think for me, even though I was financially independent since, I think since I was 18, because I started working at university, okay, that's not true. I did have financial income. I wasn't independent when I was there because I still took money from my dad. But um, beyond that, as soon as I got married, I was financially independent from that perspective um, of having an income. Uh, of course, again, my husband was taking care of their home needs and you know all those kind of things. But I still was not, I didn't have the awareness and the literacy when it comes to financial wellness and financial management. So I still ended up kind of, not having any money. And then I was stuck as well saying, um, my back is against the wall. Everything I was used to doing without going and saying, oh, I need money for this or for that started becoming, yeah, I can't afford that anymore. What do I do now? And, and this had me um, revise and revive my relationship with money and understanding what now, you know, how, how do I move around um, with this without backfiring on myself without feeling unworthy because I don't have the income yes yes because that's that's a good point because I think when you're and again I as I keep going back to I've seen this firsthand I mean I I know women who are incredibly confident and they're completely blissfully unaware of what's happening in the money stakes and they've got a lovely home and they they're thinking they're quite financially well off and then the husband leaves, and I'm not generalising. I'm not saying they, you know, but and then all of a sudden everything's gone, and yeah. they're so vulnerable. And especially as you get older, you become more vulnerable. 
if you're um I think we all become can become vulnerable if we're disempowered yes that's true so because you also have the responsibilities you possibly have children you have you know home mortgage or not um you have the expenses where it's not just about you are by yourself like would be the case in your early 20s and you can live on the minimum it's the minimum that's right absolutely (laughs) absolutely and for me for my from my experience I wanted to make sure I was never going to be in a situation where if Adam had have died I would have you know as I said earlier I would have had to have sold the house my kids I just would have what was I going to do 44 what skills did I have so for me I never want to be in that situation again. So I want to be financially independent that if anything happened to Adam down the track or if he left, I have complete control of my finances and my situation. And it's just such a, it's, it makes you feel so confident. So um, you don't feel vulnerable. Yeah. You know, you feel you. It's just you feel safe and the security, and that's the thing that I got out of my situation with Adam when he was sick. Was I never want to be in that situation? But I, I, what I want to get across to people is we don't need to wait till we've got our back against the wall mm-hmm. that we're, oh my god, what are we going to do? It's like act earlier, yeah. educate yourself, sure. and you can do this because us. As women, we are, you know, absolutely mind-blowing what we are capable of. And, in fact, when I got into property, I not only realised how business-savvy I was that I didn't realise I had, but as a woman, I don't, I put my ego to the side and ask the stupid questions that men, no offence to men, I love you dearly, (laughs) but men can have an ego and they sometimes don't like to ask the stupid questions. So all these kind of things were happening to me that were like, wow, you know, and like property, for example, and that was, that's my sort of lane. I realised when I got into that, wow, I'm not bad at this. Mm-hmm. and it's just such a great feeling and that's what I really want to get across to women that you know this is so important for that's themselves true. and their future and just not only for their future for their family but for themselves that's true because you don't want to be vulnerable you don't want to be um invisible and nobody knows what's around the corner believe you me none of us know what's around the corner and and as you said, I mean, we, we also mentioned this in the first part of our discussion was it, it's small steps. Yes, yes, if you don't have the bandwidth or the capacity or the capabilities at this point in time, then you most probably who um, would also have an allowance. And out of that allowance, then something like 10% saving on the side is where you start then that becomes seed money. And the seed money, you can think of it in terms of an investment into uh, a knowledge or a business that you are capable of of creating or into a savings account that's kind of, you know, the the rainy day account or something. I know that um, for me, as as you had done with with the real estate part and the Airbnb part, you went out and you you sought the knowledge. And for me, it was seeking the knowledge about um, amending my relationship with money. T. Harv Ecker was one of the people that kind of blew my mind. Um, he's got a book called The Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. And um, 
And it was just amazing because he just kind of really puts in the smallest steps. Even if you've got $100, how do you break up the $100 and still have some left for yourself and still have some to enjoy and kind of, um, um, kind of give yourself a treat with? And what do you put in in terms of percentages to your everyday lives and, and managing your finances? So they're also... Um, fitting to your lifestyle or sorry, the other way around managing your lifestyle to fit your finances and then growing with them, but still ensuring that you've always got the buffers and you've always got the, the accounts, the different, even, I think it was even recommending you have three or four separate bank accounts, which possibly is, is not, is not really feasible for a lot of people, but you know, that mindset at least of having those. Um, I want to bring back, like connect the financial independence with a point that we also brought up in our first discussion. And that was about the feelings of self-worthiness. So from your perspective, is it about that if we're not financially independent, we don't feel the feelings of self-worthiness or because um, sometimes we, I know that personally I speak of this a lot of my feelings of not good enough. And I called it, I penned it a pandemic before the pandemic, just because, you know, I was having all these conversations. Um, As you said, your experience was, I didn't know anything about real estate. I didn't know anything about Airbnb. What do I have to offer? And yet you're a super host. So Mm -hmm. is this related? And how do you, your experience of how do you extract yourself from this mindset of I'm not worthy to heck, I'm doing an amazing job over here. I can do more. Yeah, look, it's interesting because I think, you know, for me, the self-worthiness was from my childhood. I mean, my father was an alcoholic and I think when you're a child of an addict, you don't have a lot of self-esteem because that parent will generally take that from you. So I kind of started out at a base where, I didn't have a lot of self-esteem. But in saying that, I'm one of six children and some of my siblings have incredible Mm self-esteem. So for me, my self-worth wasn't that great to begin with and it didn't matter. And and to be honest, even now, I still have to check in because it's not like you start to become financially empowered or independent and those feelings go. It's, for me, it's, I've always had to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always doing the work. So for me, it was validation because people would always say stuff to me like, oh, you're great, Jules, you're amazing. It wouldn't matter what I look like or if I, you know, was looking a million dollars. I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And even as I went along with um, the, the Airbnb and the, you know, the property and all that, there was times of still the not feeling worthy or it just didn't automatically oh what it did give me was security and yes validation in that oh my skills like my you know fabulous communication skills and you know people were validating me saying you make me feel fantastic and all that but with regards to like certainly for me the self-worth I still have to work on that every day so for me and what I because people say to me, oh, you know, you've got a beautiful husband, you know, been married for 25 years and it's been a lot of work there, but, you know, you've got lovely children and you've got a lovely house and you've got this and that, and that's great and I have and it's been a lot of work, but it is still a lot of work with my self-worth. So 
that I think is really important for people to understand that just because you can create this and it can be wonderful and it, you've still got to get to the root of the, that's going to follow you wherever you go. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, the richest person on the planet. So I think that's really important. But, yeah, for me, I I think the self-worth is in the doing and what I've created and to step back because I've done a lot of the hard work. And I do go back to it. A funny thing, Adam used to always say to me, there's no way but the hard way. He's a Capricorn, <laughs> by the way. And I'd be like, don't say that. There's, what do you mean? There's, I can't take it. You know, I, this is when I was a, not as strong as I am now, even though it was, you know, it's funny because it, it was always there. I just yeah. hadn't tapped into it. Exactly. And now it's funny because, you know, I will say to, you know, my son Alec at times, Alec, there's no way but the hard way. <laughs> and I actually say to myself, well, really, it's still working every day. Still, even when I you conquer something, okay, the next thing you're still going to have, it's still going to come at you, but it's that, um, you know, still working at it. And as I said, for me, I'll probably till the day I check out of this planet, I'll still be, you know, checking in with the self-worth and stuff. But, you know, yeah. That's great. Uh, and, yes, I completely agree. It is work in progress. I know there are days where I start questioning myself and saying, yeah, right. You know, you deserve this or you're not putting in the work or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm always criticizing, not always, but you know, I'm, I've improved a lot there. Um, but as you said, it's a work in progress in terms of you have to be aware and you have to keep working on it to, to get out of the pits faster than usual. The, the pits will happen. The pitfalls will happen. And they always will. They always will. And we're humans. I think we don't realise half the time that we are human beings. Yep. You know? <laughs> we're not we're, super beings. We're not. And, and if we were perfect, well, our work would be, do would be done on this planet. That's true. That's true. Well, you brought up Capricorn, and I can't <laughs> let you go without tapping into the astrology part. Yes, <laughs> your the astrology. And your astrology. Um. I okay I can go into a lot of discussion I think this could be a separate discussion but let's bring it from the astrology perspective is there a connection or are there certain um, uh, elements that empower us financially when it comes to astrology oh you've got me there this is one of those <laughs> questions where do I go look yes um there is, I think, but there's lots of elements that go into, into I, I can't answer that specifically because there are a number of elements that go into. And parameters, yeah. Okay. Yes, different house systems and, you know, I could go on and on, but I'd, lo I'd lose your, your viewers <laughs> immediately. But, yes, there can be certain signs that, that can sort of predict if, if you're, how you are fine how you are with your finances and how you handle your finances and also awareness because everything in life is about awareness so certainly when i used to see clients and we talk about the finances whether it's their finance finances or their partnership with finances if they're a bit challenged in that area i would sort of highlight to them what their challenges are and guide them in that way but again it's about the awareness so yeah. some people might have an, a chart that's got a fantastic Saturn and a wonderful Jupiter and, you know, um, and that's great. And then somebody else mightn't have a great Saturn and mightn't have a great Jupiter, but there's ways and means of, of working with that. 
sometimes you have to do things in an alternative way. But that, yeah, that's quite an in-depth. Um, but but still, this this answer is I I love it because it's also an example of how we should not just take circumstances or facts. I mean, again, I'm a Taurus, so I was born in May. It's it's a fact. Um, do I have most of the Taurus traits? Most probably. But if I just believe that that is the story, is my story, and I can't change some of the negative characteristics that are um, uh, that come with the with the sign, then that again is disempowering. And as you said, even when it comes to the finances or anything else related to who we are as individuals, when we're born, you know, our circumstances, our families, our geographies, whatever culture we're in, then this is our actually empowering way of looking at it is seeing where can I improve and how can I improve? So I'm not just following the story. Absolutely. And I like to say to people, you know, I'm a Gemini. So I say to people, I'm part of the Gemini tribe. So if I'm another Gemini, there'll be something, some little things that, oh, yes, you know, we, you know, we like to talk and we're like Peter Pan and there's certain characteristics, but that's just like you're part of the family tribe and you're a Taurus nun. So you're part of the Taurus tribe, but that's where the buck stops. Yeah. So there's <laughs> so many other layers to, to that. So, yeah, I just had to add that little bit in. Yes, Don't get me started on astrology because I can exactly. just talk and talk about it forever. <laughs> and I'm actually a medieval, I do medieval astrology, which is old, ancient, traditional astrology. Too, wow. By the way. Okay. We should have started with that. But, again, <laughs> that's oh, another discussion. Yes. That's another episode. <laughs> yes. Jules, I'm going to ask you one last question, and I want to thank you for your time and for sharing all your energy and knowledge with us. Um from as a super host, as an Airbnb super host, which is a service-based business, what would be three lessons or advice that you would give to someone who's thinking about it, who's just starting up, who doesn't have the faith that they can create something because they just don't know enough about this topic? Well, first thing I would do is educate myself. You, you educate, do as much research as you can to begin with educate yourself as in go and do some courses there's so many cheap courses out there but just get yourself to in a position where you and this is a time if you're going to do airbnb you know how some things you can do and you can just sit there and research and research and it's like you just have to do now yeah. but with airbnb that's the first thing i would do i would research i would do a little course if i could Secondly, communication is all. You need to have great communication with your guests. Mm -hmm. And often people think communication has happened and it hasn't. But communication is absolutely paramount. So you need to be able to respond to, um, for example, when somebody sends you a request to book, get straight onto it. You want to... Mm -hmm reply to that person straight away so this is really important and one of my great skills was that I'm an excellent communicator and you know what it's not that difficult yeah. it's not that difficult it's just responding to people communicating with immediacy so mm -hmm. that's really important and if there's any um issues 
any issues at all with your guests, and I say this across the board with, in, with clients in general, you get back to them immediately and you don't say, oh, what's the problem? This person's annoying me. You say to that guest each and every time, what's the solution? How can I help you? How can I make it better? By you just saying, how can I make it better? They're yeah. going to think, oh, wow. Oh, you know, she actually cares. Yeah. And my last tip, which is absolutely, I call it the three pillars. This yeah. is really, 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 really important. You want to invest before when you start out in your Airbnb, there's two things that people are going to do. Generally, they're going to sleep at your Airbnb. So that's a given. Yeah. And then nine times out of ten, going to have a shower. So mm -hmm. invest, 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 the three pillars. Invest in a decent mattress. You don't mm -hmm. have to spend a fortune, but something that's good quality yeah. or just, you know, that's a decent mattress. Nice linen. You don't have to spend a fortune. And even if you spend a little bit more initially, they will last you a long time. Yep. So you want to have not because nothing worse than getting in a bed with horrible sheets and crappy pillows. Invest, oh my God, pillows. <laughs> yes, you know, this is real. These these <laughs> these little things are well, you will get five star reviews each and every time. Yeah. And um, so the even towels, for example, just get some nice half decent towels. And lastly, the last pillar is the heating and air conditioning please make sure you have half-decent air conditioning and heating because mark my words, if people are uncomfortable, they will give you a bad review or they will leave. Yeah. So yes. those three pillars are probably... I love that. You're on a winner each and every time. And they're very applicable to any service-based business. Is the That's first right. one is educate yourself on the business and the segments and the trends and everything you're there and your customers. Number two would be to communicate effectively and and uh, promptly. And number three is to make sure to be customer centric. What does my customer need and how can I fulfill those needs? So thank you for that. That's been amazing. That's my pleasure. <laughs> and you know where to find me if you need to ask any questions. Thank, thank you. you. You'll have my email address. Please reach out anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jules Rolnick, all the way from Australia as a super host for Airbnb. It has been an absolute pleasure having this discussion with you. It has. Thank you, Hanan. And thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. And as always, it's about small steps. It's about financial literacy that leads to financial management, that leads to financial independence, or at least lack of dependence, if even if not independence completely. So your back is not against the wall. And then beyond that, taking those small steps to be able to, if you are thinking of a, a service-based business and you know that that's part of your core competencies, or even if you don't know it and you've been hearing it enough, start believing it and start taking those steps, you will not regret it. It's not gonna be easy, but it could be a lot of fun and definitely it could be um, a lot of prosperity for you and your family. As always, wishing you love, abundance and prosperity, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Empowered to Grow podcast. For further engagement with a tribe of empowered women, join my Facebook group, Empowered to Grow, or visit my website, www.hananelbasha.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. 
And until then, know that empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance, and prosperity to you all.